Well, good morning. My name's, for those of you who don't, if I haven't met you yet, I want to. My name's Rich. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art. It has no survival value. Rather, it's one of those things that give value to survival. C.S. Lewis wrote that, one of my favorite authors. One of my favorite quotes, actually, that he has written. And it just really says it all, doesn't it? We're talking about life stories here and how God is building, whether you want to call it epic or whether you want to call it something else, uh, God is building a a story in your life and in my life and all of our lives. It's pretty amazing when you look at it, particularly as you as you mature in years and you look back on it and some of the things that God has done and all that's pretty, pretty amazing. And whenever we talk about life stories and the uniqueness of mine and, and yours, and, and we're all very unique in that regard, there's always different mileposts of people's faces and names that you can think back through and thank God for, in some cases, maybe not. But... Uh, uh, just different people. And, and because as God is building this life story in our lives, it is interwoven with the lives of so many others. And uh, I will tell you that in my situation, and, and it's probably not much different than, from yours, some of the people that God has used the most in my life are those people who loved me unconditionally. And we had that kind of an unconditional love for and with each other. Um, it was, it, that's an amazing thing when you say unconditional love. No barriers, no limits. Might make you mad, you still love them. Might make you glad, of course you'll love them then too. But it's unconditional. Pretty amazing stuff. I want to take you to a, to a, to a story in the Bible. We, we we're talking about this whole thing, um, saga and stories that God's building in our lives and so forth. And I want to take you to David again. We were in David last week. If you weren't here, we we talked about David and really his first uh, sort of his opening opening number of success, if you will, if you would put it in Broadway terms. And that was when he we see him taking on Goliath. And it was pretty cool. We quoted from the book, uh, the new book by Gladwell, uh, Tipping Point, Outliers. That 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 Gladwell uh, book, and it was called David and Goliath. And it's really a business book, but it's uh, also about David and Goliath. Pretty pretty great, pretty good stuff. We. You can see all that uh, from last week on our, on our website and so forth. But we're going to go back to David's life, and we're going we're to, just the context for you, right after that happens, right after he takes down Goliath in a, a marvelous way with a slingshot and slinging and so forth, um, right after that happens, he has this interaction with King Saul, who was the king. Keep in mind, we've got three kings in Israel throughout history. First king was King Saul. Second king was King David. Third king was David's son, Solomon. And then the place smashed up, and they divided the kingdom, and it became the north and the south and so forth. But um, So you have three kings. The first king is King Saul. He's in charge. He's large and in charge at this point in time. And uh, he has just seen David defeat Goliath, and the Philistines were defeated then by the children of Israel. And so David's in a conversation with him. And I want you to take you to that passage in 1 Samuel chapter 18. After David had finished talking with King Saul, Jonathan... That's King Saul's son. Jonathan became one in spirit with David. We're going to come back to that, but just just make a mental book note, if you will, a bookmark, if you will. One in spirit, interesting term, uh, or interesting phrase. He became one in spirit with David. He loved him as himself. 
From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his home, to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe that he was wearing. This is very significant, this part. He took off the robe that he was wearing and he gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Jonathan is the rightful heir to the throne of Israel. What he does by taking off his robe and his tunic and, 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 his, and his sword and, and, uh, and his bow and his belt, he's basically just giving that to David, his good, good friend. They just, they just have a great love for each other. Two guys that just, just love life, um, and, they, and they love each other. There's really nothing more, I mean, don't, don't read into that anything more than that. Just any, any, any two guys could have this, and maybe you have some guys in your life like that. You just love them, and you'll do anything for them. And that's what he's got. That's what we got going on here. Let me take you. Just move. Flash forward a little bit. A little bit more, and we're going to take you to the last time they're going to see each other. Jonathan does not have, unfortunately, a long life. Um, he's going to die in battle uh, in, in a very short time. But the last time they didn't know it, but the last time they see each other is in verse forty-two of First uh, Samuel chapter twenty. Jonathan said to David, "Go in peace, for we have a sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me.'" and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to town. They would not see each other again. So, it is hugely important to have people in your life with whom you have this unconditional love type of relationship. Hopefully, one of those people would be your spouse if you're married. But certainly... That's a good thing, but, you, but you, if that's the case, but you need, more, you need a, a, a couple more people. So I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about why. I want to show you basically five things that happen uh, when you have the way God uses these unconditional relationships uh, in our lives. I want to show you five things. They kind of overlap, and some are a little repetitive, but they're all, they all have a particular point, and I want you to see that. Francis Schaeffer, by the way, the great writer, author, speaker, uh, um, philosopher, really, of the last century. He, he put it this way, Christianity is an individual thing, but it's not only an individual thing. There is to be true community, offering true spiritual and material help to each other. Pretty good. It's called living in community. So what are those five things, Rich? Well, here they are. The first one is this. Some of these I'm just going to blow through very quickly. First one is this, real simple point. God uses people in our lives to get us where he wants us. He uses people in our lives to get us where he wants In this particular case, you've got David and Jonathan. Jonathan d- does two things. First of all, I already said part of it. Jonathan, rightful heir to the throne, says, you're God's man. Granted, I have the legal right, and I'm the heir, and all that sort of stuff, but, but you're God's man for this job. I want to help. Gives him, his, gives him all of his, you know, all of the trappings that he would be, need to be the next king. Not only that, I didn't, I didn't read this one passage to you, and it's okay, I won't now, but on a couple of different occasions, Jonathan, Saul, King Saul, got, he gets kind of crazy. Um, some people say, he'd be, he'd be, you know, if we were defining it in modern terms, maybe he became a schizophrenic, maybe it was something else, maybe he became bipolar. We don't know exactly, but he got a little crazy. And as a result of that, he tried to kill David on a number of occasions. Later on, he would try to kill David and chased him for 10 years through the wilderness of, of Israel. Um, in that process of trying to kill David, Jonathan, his son, saved David's life two or three different times. 
God used Jonathan to get David to the place where he wanted him. Logistically, but also internally. Thought about this. I mean, think about the people in your life that have uh, helped you along the way in one way or another. You ever hear of the guy named Dr. Francis Vinton? Dr. Vinton was uh, the pastor, rector, at Trinity Church in New York in the 1860s. And were it not for uh, Pastor Vinton, he was a doctor, um, who knows what might have happened with a guy by the name of Abraham Lincoln. Let me just give you a quick little history lesson here. This is a book, this this is a little booklet by, this is Trinity Forum. We do this twice a month uh, back in the cafe. Uh, We have some people who lead us, they're just terrific. They have these books like this, you know, obviously it's not a lot of reading, sometimes it's abridged literature. In this case, it's Abraham Lincoln, The Spiritual Growth of a Public Man. It is the best thing I've ever read, and I've read Every single bio of Abraham Lincoln. That's not true. Uh, There's about 500 of them. Uh, I've read a lot of stuff on Abraham Lincoln. This is the best single thing I've ever read because it really traces his his spiritual life and how he really came to Christ when he was president. And Dr. Vinton had a a tremendous amount. I'll just read you a paragraph. This is is really good. this is 1862, the winter of 1862. Now, just, just real quick, get context, just a reminder here for your history. Keep in mind, um, Civil War starts spring of 1861. Okay, so you're talking about a year, almost a year and a half, because this is late, this is late 62, 1862. Um, the next year would be uh, July 1863. That would be uh, Gettysburg, the famous battle of this. Just to kind of give you some history there. Um, but at this particular time, now keep in mind, Lincoln, uh, President Lincoln and, Mrs. and Mary Todd had lost a son 12 years earlier than this. 1862, they lose their, their one of what some people say was maybe their favorite child, um, and um, Willie. And uh, it was um, at this particular time we get into the story. President Lincoln was at, was at the lowest point of his grief in the late winter of 1862. One visitor to the White House made a lasting difference. His name was Dr. Francis Vinton, rector of Trinity Church in New York. The insight which Dr. Smith had given to the Lincolns in Springfield, a colleague of Dr. Vinton's, the insight that he'd given the Lincolns in Springfield 12 years earlier um, was reaffirmed Lincoln's faith and made more intelligible by the spiritual help which Dr. Vinton offered to the bereaved couple. His help came by the intellectual route, the only way in which it could come to Abraham Lincoln. The visitor showed that it's wholly rational for God to continue his interest in and concern for persons after the death of the body, just as before. Dr. Vinton called attention to Christ's own teaching at this point, especially as it is reported in Luke 20, 38, for he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. Simple truth that he, that he, he put on uh, President Lincoln and Mrs., Mrs. Lincoln, that your son is alive in God's, is in God's economy, not here on earth, but somewhere else. And, and it made, it made a, it was a fresh approach, as a matter of fact. Um, last, last couple lines. As he had done before, Lincoln matured best in sorrow. This profound paradox that his son was still alive, although not in, not in the body. Um, this profound paradox is that the great man became even more confident in his approach to other men, including the men of his own cabinet, when he recognized that his first, his, his major confidence was not in himself, but in another, Jesus. My question is this. 
Where would Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, if you read, no, he, he, he dealt tremendously with what they called the melancholy back then. We would call it clinical depression today. What would have happened to Abraham Lincoln in the middle of the Civil War had, had there not been a Dr. Vinton that comes along and builds him up and says, hey, there's hope here. Your son is alive. He's not on earth, but he's alive with Christ. What would have happened to Abraham Lincoln in his, in his serious depression during the, one of the, the worst time in the history of our country? What might have happened had there not been a Dr. Vinton that God brought along to help him? Same is true for you and me. There are people that God uses to get us to the place that he wants us to be. And those people are usually people that have this unconditional love for you. Thank God for them. That's the first thing. God uses people in our lives to get us where he wants us. Number two, God uses people to keep us affirmed. Affirmation. I know it's kind of a strange concept here in Jersey, isn't it? Um, we sometimes have weird ways of showing our affirmation, and then it's not always it's not always positive. But uh, Proverbs seventeen seventeen says this: A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for a time of adversity. God uses people in our lives to keep us affirmed, built up. And, and sometimes those people come along at just the right times. God's timing. I can think back on my life at different times in my life when when uh, just hit hit the bottom, man. Hit the pit. And somebody who just loves you, just because they love you, just unconditionally love you, come along and they just, they're just hanging with you. Some, case, some cases they have the right words, in some cases they just, just stay with you. Just hang out with you. May not even say anything. You can be so affirming. And we all need that at different times in our lives. We need it. God uses people to keep us affirmed. Third thing, God uses people to keep us sharp. Sharp. Well, what does that mean? Another one of my favorite Proverbs goes like this. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need people in our lives with whom we can have dialogue with, with whom we can, you know, as iron sharpens iron, which in some cases, even some conflict, e- even, even discussions that might be, you know, he may be a Republican, you may be a Democrat, or vice versa. Something like that. Hopefully, it goes beyond that. Hopefully, it goes in, into other areas of our life where we where we need somebody just to kind of bounce stuff off of as we think through things and we process things through our discussions. Sometimes, some of our, some of our debates. We need people like that in our lives. I love that proverb: "Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another." You got anybody in your life you do that with? You just kind of sharpen up each other a little bit. Maybe a couple of people like that. You need that. You know, it, it's, so, it's so weird how we do that. I'm, some of you know, I'm a golfer. Well, I play golf. Let's say it that way. Um, and it's so funny, you, you be out in the range, and if you watch, if you watch it on, on, on any, any golf tournament, and when they show them on the range, you'll always have the greatest golfers in the world sitting out there, standing out there, just taking swings. And, they, and almost in every case these days, they have somebody standing behind them watching every little intricate detail of their swing. Hey, you need to do this. You need, to, you need to come back this way. You need to come out this way. You need to turn your hand this way. You need to turn your finger this way. Put your thumb over here instead of, I'm serious. Keeps them sharp. We need that in our lives in other ways. People who can just, hey, sit down with and talk with and, and hey, we're, we're, you know, what do you think about this? What do you, are you, where, where are you moving? Are you moving 
you know, internally? Are you moving to a different place, a different thought pattern? What are you thinking? We need that. As iron sharpens iron, a bro, you know, as iron sharpens iron, so a person sharpens one another. Anybody in your life like that? Are you like that for anybody else? You need that. Fourth thing. This is going to kind of bring that one into play as well. God uses people to keep us aware of blind spots. We all have blind spots, don't we? Things that we don't see about ourselves. Maybe little mannerisms. Maybe little defensive mechanisms that kick into place. Let me show you a passage in Hebrews chapter 3. Take care, brethren, that there not be any of you, any one of you, in an, an unbelief, excuse me, be any of any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened, watch this, by the deceitfulness of sin. I am amazed at some of the justifications that people come up with sometimes. It's phenomenal. Talking to a guy or a lady and maybe they're having an affair and you say, now help me understand why. Well, let me tell you why this. Because this, 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 and this. And, and, you, and, and there have been times I've said, oh, oh, so your wife doesn't treat you just right, so it's okay for you just to go cheat. Oh, sure, I understand that. Why not? Really? It's amazing how we get like that. It's amazing some of the things we go through. We can, and, and we can, you know, I've heard everything rationalized from cheating on spouses to cheating on income tax to cheating on expense accounts to, uh, to cheating just about any, anything else, you know. And it's amazing how that, all that process starts going in with our brain and how we start thinking and justifying and, well, this happened, this happened, this happened, therefore it's okay. We need people in our lives to keep us open, to keep us honest. People who can say, you're really, you're, you're, your beliefs here are beginning to change, aren't they? No, they're not changing. Why are they changing? Well, because I see your actions are changing, and we are, our, our actions are a product of our beliefs. And, and the Bible tells us you need people who love us unconditionally, who have the ability to speak into our lives, and, and, and they can help us be aware of some of those blind spots that we all have at different times. And we need people to speak into that. You know, it's pretty tough. And there are people in this world, in case you didn't know this, who, who you just can't be critical of. I mean, even in a positive, constructive, criti- criti- constructive criticism. They just won't listen to it. Now, I don't know where you are on that. You need to think about it because if that's you, when's the last time somebody could give you positive feedback about something negative in your life and you could listen? We need that. We all need that. I don't care who you are. God uses people, these, these people who love us unconditionally, to keep us aware of our blind spots. Last thing, and this sort of encompasses all the ones that I've said. I said some of these things overlap, and this is kind of overlapping all four of the points that I've already said. God uses people to encourage us. Just encourage us, just in a positive way. Let me show you a passage. Again, Hebrews chapter 10, without wavering, let us hold tightly to the hope that we say we have, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Think of ways to encourage one another. Think of ways to encourage one another 
to outbursts of love and good deeds. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day is drawing near. And the day that's drawing near is either Christ coming back or I'm going to die and go home to meet the Lord, whatever that day might be. He said, let us encourage and warn each other, especially as that day draws near. This is called having community. This is having people in our lives who can speak into our lives, whether it be about some of the things that I said earlier in terms of of self-awareness for some of the deceitfulness of of, of rationalizations that we all can catch ourselves getting into, whether it be keeping us sharp, whether it be um, just God using somebody to get me into a different place. Maybe that's just in a different place mentally and emotionally. Maybe that's a different place physically as well. God uses people to encourage us. We have to let people in. We have to allow them to be in our lives. We have to listen. We have to have people, give people that permission to be able to speak into our lives. Community is having a few people in your life with whom there will be a reciprocal relationship of sharing, of listening, of encouraging to a deeper, more effective, more fulfilling faith in Christ. I want to go back to 1 Samuel. I told you to make a, a, a sort of a mental bookmark of 1 Samuel chapter 18. Just that one, one little phrase in verse 1 where it says, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. Interesting use of words, one in spirit. The Apostle Paul puts it a little different way, a little different twist on this, I think, and and I want to take you there because it's it's talking about something much the same but very different. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. He's ta- what spirit is he talking about here? It's about the Holy Spirit that we all have. And here's what I want you to see. We need friends to speak into our lives. This is something very different. Um, I, I oftentimes will, after the third service, whatever I'm doing, whether I'm up here or on the sidewalk where I always am no matter what I'm doing, and, or, or just after that third service is over, oftentimes I will go by a club that I belong to and uh, watch, a little, watch a little football this time of year and hang out with some, some of my friends there a little bit and hate on the Giants and hate on the Jets. You know, ah, they stink. Brag about the Broncos, which I'm having a pretty good year, huh? And... Um, and, uh, and just hang and, you know, eat, uh, eat, you know, get my little cranberry club drink and, and, and eat good old good stuff like peanuts and pretzels and cheese spread with saltine crackers and, I mean, real food, real food. Not this, no stinking salads or any of that kind of crap. Anyway, um, and there's a bond there because we all belong to this club. It's a pretty shallow bond about being a member of a club or a fraternity or whatever it might be. The thing I'm talking about here is much deeper than that. We all have, those of us who have crossed the line of faith and have come to Christ in faith, we have, the way Paul puts it here, we are given the one spirit to drink. That's the Holy Spirit. Here's how it works. 
we come to faith in Christ, wherever that is. Maybe you, you know that day that happened. Maybe that was a long process. Maybe you just kind of always believed. You're raised in a Christian home and just always believed in Jesus and, and came to faith that maybe at a very young age, don't even remember it that way. Well. Whatever that is, you come to faith in Christ. And, and when that happens, immediately, immediately, the Bible tells us, the Spirit of God comes into our lives. We have this one Spirit. And, and when he says baptized, what's that mean? Baptized into one, uh, you know, we're baptized by one spirit. It means to be immersed. Now, now this afternoon, this evening, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, sorry, 6 o'clock, we're going to have a baptistry here, and I have the privilege of baptizing some folks who've, who have either come to faith recently in, in Christ or, or maybe re- renewed their faith. Uh, in, one, in one case, of one of the, one of, we have a child, gonna be, a, a young lady's going to be baptized. Her dad's going to baptize her. It's kind of cool. And afterwards, we're going to heat that thing up, and we're going to have cigars, right? No, I'm kidding. Um, just kidding. Um, no, but it's, it's a real special moment because it, it's, it's just explaining. It's just a, a public sign of, of what's happened inwardly. So when we talk about this baptism here, he's not talking about water here. He's talking about we are, when we come to faith, we are immersed in the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God lives in me now, lives in you. We have that in common. So when we talk about this, connect, there's a special connection there. That, that can't be emulated. It's not a club, you know. It's not a fraternity or a sorority. It, it's, it's something far different than that. It's a connectedness that comes through a relationship with Christ. And because of that, we have that special connection. And, and, and some of those, some of those situations end up being the kind of relationships because we have that common bond in Christ in which the, that, that becomes an unconditional love type of relationship, a Jonathan David type relationship where you really just care about the other person as much, if not more so, than you do yourself. I've told this story before. And whenever I repeat a story, I always say that, and you know why? Because I don't want you walking out of here saying, oh, Rich, he's getting old, he's repeating the same stories again. Uh. So I just tell you that. I, just, I know I've told this story before, but it really illustrates this point. I've told the story before how I was sitting downstairs in our fellowship hall with a guy. And we were just talking about life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, probably talking about our wonderful wives, you know, our wonderful kids, or something like that. And... Um, my friend said, you know what? He said, I get this. Referring to me and him. I get this. I don't get this. Referring to a circle. And I said, I want you to think about that for a moment. I said, because this started upstairs in this, in church. You know, first time you came here, which has been many years ago. I said, then you start coming to our men's group. We have a men's group on Wednesday night. It, they, they are just absolutely crazy bunch of guys. Crazy. You can't come unless you're about half cracked. I mean, really, you're just nuts. The other night, we're down, we go downstairs after our Bible study, 9 o'clock, and, and just have, a, have a, a, a Coke or something. And, um, and some of those guys are sitting out there in 30-degree weather smoking cigars. Can you believe that? 30 degrees. I wasn't. I just want you to know that. Anyway, I said, we, so I back to my story. I said to my friend, I said, we started at church. You started coming to men's group, and then we ended up with three or four of us, and now... You know, now it's just me and you and maybe somebody else. It starts there. I, I just mention that because you hear us talk about groups from time to time. There's a purpose for that. 
we're not just trying to get you to hang out at church all the time, although I don't mind that because then I can hang out with you. But, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is because that's where life takes place. That's when you, when you get to have some friendships that really do matter and that you have that unconditional love and those relationships of all those things that happen. You keep each other sharp. You keep each other uh, aware of your, of your blind spots. You, you encourage all those things we just talked about. That's how, it's, that's how, that's how it works. It's pretty special. It's pretty important. And that's, that's what God would have for us. He doesn't desire for us to live in isolation. He wants us to live in community. It begins as a follower of Christ, the Spirit of God coming in me, and we have that connection because we both, we both have the same Spirit at our core, the Spirit of God. doesn't mean we don't disagree doesn't mean we, you might be a Democrat and I might be a Republican and somebody else might be a Libertarian and somebody else might... doesn't mean that we're all going to agree and all those things. Those don't matter. The thing that matters is we have the same Spirit, the Spirit of God who lives in us, and we build from that. You have people like that in your life? You need that. You really do need that. I would add, not only better for you, it's, it's even more fun. What it, I, I believe it wasn't, it's one of the things that makes life more fulfilling. Even when you go through the tough stuff. You have to be intentional about this. You've got to be intentional. You've got to think about it. You've got you, 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 you to put yourself in the place to see that happen. And uh, it's pretty cool. Last, last quote. There's a balance. I want you to know there's a balance. And it's important. This is this is a great this is a, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you don't, if you haven't, there's so many new books about Bonhoeffer. My friend Eric Metaxas probably has the best one. It's 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 a it's a it's a commitment to read. Let me tell you, um, it's, but it's a great book. Uh, Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer said this: Let him who cannot be alone beware of community. Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. The first part of that little quote is for me. I'm a people person. I get depressed. I get down. I want to be with people. I, I draw energy from being with you. I love you guys. You're fun. You all y'all got great story. I love hanging. You know, and, and um, I have some of the best fun I have all week down on the sidewalk on Sundays and Saturday nights now. Um, so I have to, I, the first part I have to watch, let him who cannot be alone be aware of, I, that's for me. I have to be aware because I still need alone time. It's hard for me. It's work, but I still need to be alone just with, with Christ and just talk and pray. And that's uh, kind of fun. One of, the, one of the interesting things that's happened in recent years, uh, the recent months as we've moved our offices, they're all back here now. So oftentimes I'll be, nobody will be in here and I'll come in here and sit in the front row and just talk to the Lord. It's kind of, I've really enjoyed that. Sometimes I get out and just take a walk and just, just, just talk. Be, let him who cannot be alone be aware. Be aware. You can't be with people. Be aware of community. The other part of that is some of you people are, are more introverted. Let him who is not in community be aware of being alone. You need people around you. It's balance. It's balance. And you've got to be intentional about it and ask God to give you the wisdom and the people with whom you can trust. And may God do that. And may you seek it. And let's pray together right now. Lord God, we do thank you for your love and your grace and the way you work in all of our lives. I thank you for the people that you put in my life, and I thank you for the people that are here and the people that you put in their lives.
And help us to be aware. Help us to be intentional as we pursue some of those relationships that we know will help each other as we have the common bond that we have in Christ. We thank you for that, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming. Two things real quick, all right? Uh, Next week, we're going to put a fork in this series. We're going to end it, and and we're going to do Psalm, 23rd Psalm. It's going to be cool, really cool. Um, I'm going to share something with you real quick, all right? First of all, is Michael here? Michael's not, is Michael back? This is a one-year anniversary of Michael Murphy, um, the guy playing the guitar over here, his being with us for one year, officially this, this today. 17th of November, 2012. No, 2001, 2002, okay? 11 years ago, whatever that is. Um, I was called 11 years ago to be a pastor at Renaissance Church to this day. Can you believe that? 11 years ago. So I'm, uh, thank you. I celebrated my 10th anniversary last year in Israel, and that was the day that the, the uh, militant uh, Muslims down in the Gaza Strip started shooting at us, and we were in Tel Aviv. I'm looking for a better day today, okay? God bless you. Thank you. Have a great day, all right?